Good morning. Good to see all of you uh, here today. It's nice to have kind of a, a group together, especially on a Sunday where we celebrate uh, baptism together. Uh, we have been in a, a teaching series called Doing Church, the Body of Christ on Earth, and we've been uh, kind of working through what it means to be church in the, in the big sense of kind of what the Bible talks about and then kind of what it means to be church uh, in the context of COVID and Marysville and all of those sorts of things that kind of apply to us. Uh, and I kind of want to start by taking you back to something we've been talking about for a couple of, of weeks, because uh, this is just going to become a bigger part of, of our church, uh, and that is this, uh, circles are better than rows. Circles are, say circles are better than rows. Yeah, and if, if you don't know what we've been talking about, what you're in now is rows, okay? And it's kind of a one-way conversation where, for the most part, I talk and, and you listen, although I make you talk back once in a while. Uh, but, but circles are the way the early church actually did it. Most often, they met in their homes, uh, and so that meant they, they met in a circle, and it was a smaller group of people. Uh, and, and then from time to time, the apostles would be in town or something would be going on, and then, then they would maybe go someplace and be able to do a little more rows, and there was a little teaching. But, but really, where the real life of the early church was, was in the circles, not in the rows. And, and you know, I, I realize I'm working against what I do for a living, which is talk to you in rows, right? But, but that's what scripture was about. And so we kind of talked about the first part of the Great Commission is what we did uh, last week. And we talked uh, about the make disciples, which is actually the business of helping people step across the line and become a, a follower uh, of Jesus. Uh, and that's an exciting sort of thing. And that's where baptism kind of comes out of that and all of those sorts of things. Um, but any of you that have had children know that giving birth to the baby is not the end. It's the beginning. Amen. Uh, and you, most of you know we have our, our first grandchild who's uh, six months old now, uh, and I'm, I'm telling you, we visited him a while back, and it's just crazy how much work a, a child is. Uh, anyone want to say amen right there? Yeah, it's just, it's a lot of work, and it, it's good, it's, it's good. Uh, we loved being parents, but it, it's a lot of work, and it goes on for uh, a long time. And the same is true with birthing people into new life in Christ. When, when they step across the line and they become a follower of Christ, that's not the end of the process, that's the beginning of the process, of, of helping them grow up, just like we as children, helping them grow up and become mature and, and learn how to live uh, in relationship with their Heavenly Father and in relationship with their brothers and sisters uh, in Christ. And there's no quick, easy way to do that. It, it, just, it just takes time. And just like children, for the most part, are raised in circles, so spiritual life and spiritual growth, for the most part, happens in circles, not in rows, all right? Uh, and so we hope that eventually, uh, you all hope that eventually that your children will grow up to be mature, responsible adults. <laughs> I was expecting more response. I'm going to assume everybody responded in some way there. You, you want them to do that. And, and so it takes more, though, than just giving them a lecture, right? You can't just lecture your kid every morning and then, then you're done with your parenting responsibilities. You can't just send them to school and they hear lectures there and, and then you're done with your responsibilities. It's, a, it's an ongoing kind of thing that happens all the time. And they come back from school and there's homework you got to do with them and you got to deal with them as they learn how to deal with people who are different than them in school. And, and, and it's just, it's just, can I just say it? Raising kids is a lot of work. It's, it's just, it's a, it's a lot of work. And so it is, yeah, some of you are in that spot where it's really a lot of work right now. Um, so it is with, with raising disciples, raising people up that have crossed the line and now they're ready to grow uh, and to, to get 
Christ followers into spiritual uh, maturity. And so what we want to kind of talk about uh, as we kind of wrap up this series is, is how does how, how perfectly good sentence before I mangled it, how to help disciples grow spiritually. And, and I think this should apply both ways. It should apply to you. How do you grow? Helping you grow. Because no matter how far you are with the Lord, how long you've walked with Him, uh, there's always room for more growth. Amen? Okay? But also, I want to kind of help some of you, because I know some of you have been walking with the Lord a long time. And there is a place in your spiritual journey where the way you grow is you reach back and you help others grow. Okay? You can only grow it so far without reaching out and helping others in some way, shape, or form. And so uh, I'm, I kind of want to hit you in both places. I want to encourage you to engage in spiritual growth, and I want to encourage you to help others grow spiritually. So let's, let's look at uh, the great commandment again. Uh, it's Matthew chapter 28, if you have your Bibles with you, or online, or on our app, or however uh, you want to do this. And I'm going to kind of do um, 30,000 feet on the first part here that we did, did last week, and then we're going to zero in a little bit. Uh, on the on the bottom part of it so let's just kind of jump in it says then the 11 disciples went to Galilee to the mountain where Jesus had told them to go so uh, Galilee is where most of them were from so they're in their home area he's told them to go up on a mountain to meet him Jesus is done with his earthly ministry this is the very last thing uh, he's gonna he's gonna do and so they are uh, kind of going up there keep in mind they're probably still reeling a little bit because Jesus was dead and they knew Jesus was dead and now he keeps showing up you know and so they're kind of trying to get their brain around that and, and figure out what that means uh, and so uh, we'll go on then when they saw him they worshiped him but some doubted so two things that we talked about last week uh, when you encounter Christ you naturally worship him and worship is powerful uh, I miss when we had the, the, the sanctuary full of people and we had worship going on you know it, it became those moments are just powerful the difficulty is sometimes they can become so powerful that we put all of our energy into that and we kind of forget what the mission that Jesus gave us okay that's the first thing out of there worship is important and powerful and then the second was and some doubted and I, and I love this because most of you know me, I connect to God with my head, and I still have questions about stuff, and I have two degrees in theology, okay? And, and so I, I just want to say to you, if you're someone that, that's here this morning and you doubt, or you're joining us online and you're a doubter, thank you for being with us. You are welcome in this place. And I just love that this is at the very end. Some doubted, even after they had walked with Jesus all of that time, after they'd say all the miracles that Jesus did, after they, they, they saw him die on the cross for them, and then they saw that he was alive. After all of that, they still doubted, and they were still welcome in the midst. So that's an important sort of thing. Okay, then moving on. Then Jesus came to them and said, so now he gives them the mission. All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. And that's good news. We talked about the word authority there. In the original language, it meant both he had the authority to do it and he had the power to make it happen. And so you, whatever you're facing today, Christ has authority over it, both the authority to rule it and the power to make happen what needs uh, to happen. So in that context, he goes on to say then, go therefore, that's what the therefore means, and make disciples of all nations. And that's the, the conversion uh, process, okay? baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. We're going to talk about that at the end of the service a, a little bit, but that's super important. And teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And this is the part of, of the great commandment that, that sometimes gets left out. And we're going to drill in on, on this a little bit. And then the, the promise. I told you that there were, uh, there were some commands and then there was a, a promise. And here's the promise. And surely I am with you always. 
to the very end of the age. And um, you guys know, if you've hung around me very much, that a lot of scripture is pictorial theologies. It's images of what God is like or what God does. And the way I picture this one is kind of like, uh, if you've ever watched post-apocalyptic kind of movies or that kind of thing, you know, it's like the very end and, and we've blown up the whole world and you're kind of standing out there and there's just dust everywhere, radioactive dust, and there's these parts of buildings and trees and everything else is blown down. And you're the only one left. And there is Christ with you. At the very end, when nothing else is left, he is as surely I am with you to the very end of the age or time. I'm going to cough. <coughs> and, and so I, I want you to get that. Because before we go into anything else, I want you to know no matter what you are going through, no matter uh, how bad it gets or how bad it seems or how bad you're worried that it's going to get, Christ is there with you. Okay, that wasn't bad, but let me try that again. No matter how bad it gets, Christ is there with you. This is the final promise he gives uh, to his people, so it's certain, super important. But let's back that up. We're going to talk about baptizing, but I want to back up uh, to this part of it. And teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. This is the part, this is the business of growing people up spiritually, of us growing up and of you growing up. And unfortunately, we read that through kind of modern 21st century eyes. And we, when we think of teaching, we think of something that happens in rows. I don't know, maybe they've t changed the way they did it. But when I was going to school, I was in the third grade, you were in a row. And you listened to the teacher talk. And at some point, you had to take a test over the material. But actually, that's not what's meant. In the first century, when Jesus used these words, teaching wasn't something that was so much done in rows as it was something that was done in circles. So when we say circles are better than rows, we're literally talking about the teaching of Jesus here. And so, uh, in fact, the, the Greek word for teaching actually refers to the idea of dialogue, which means you talk and you listen and you listen and you talk and you go, you go back and forth. And if you look at the way Christ taught, that's the way he did it. Most of his teaching was with the disciples in a circle where he would ask them a question and they would try and answer it or they would ask him a question and he would answer it and they would talk back and forth. I'm going to cough again, sorry. <coughs> Um, and, and so the, the, the idea here of teaching is about formation as much as it is about information. So this is not dialogue. This is monologue. I talk, and for the most part, you listen, right? And, and, but, and, and the, we call this teaching. But in the first century, teaching would have been about asking questions. I love that you are a people who will ask me questions. You'll send me emails or you'll text me or you call me up and you have some Bible question or theological question, and we have this conversation together. That's what's kind of being talked about uh, here. <coughs> Sorry, I don't know, I got a little thing in my throat today. Um, so uh, then, then the second word there is obey. Um, yeah, if you could get me a glass of water, that would be really great. Should have something up here. Uh, and, and the word obey here isn't, the Greek word really isn't like it means obey for us. I, I was ADHD growing up, you know, and so I got. For some reason, I'm not entirely sure why, but for some reason, people used the word obey with me a lot, you know? I just, they did. Craig, obey, you know? And so that's not always a positive word for me. But in the original language, <coughs> um, it actually carries the idea of, of treasuring something very valuable. It's the idea of, of conforming your life to a truth that you know is really, really important. 
So, it, it, so let me give you the example. If you guys own businesses or that kind of thing, imagine if, if Bill Gates said, I am going to give you a weekend and you can sit down with me and I'm going to tell you everything I know about building a big business, right? Well, man, that would be a notebook worth a lot. You would not want to lose that. You'd have all those insights. It's very valuable. You go, oh, I can do this, I can do this. And he gave me all these great ideas, you know, about what I can do and how I can... Well, that's kind of the idea of obey here. You're not obeying because someone's going to smack you if you don't. You're obeying because this is like really good stuff, okay? Uh, and so, uh, in teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. So if I could kind of sum that up, I would sum it up like this. Disciples are grown, not manufactured. They're organic. There's, there's something about them. They're, you can't mass produce them. They're not all exactly the same. You know, when you have something that's manufactured, the idea is everything's the same. You know, if you get a bad part, it doesn't fit in the thing. You know, oh, I ordered the wrong thing, you know, and it doesn't. That's, that's manufactured. But, but when you grow things, it, it, the, each one is unique. If you've ever grown a garden, it, it never comes out quite the same twice, you know. I take your word for that because my wife is good at growing stuff. I'm not. But, but disciples are grown. It's, it's not manufactured. It's an organic living kind of process. And then Christ followers grow best in circles. That's why Jesus did that, that kind of, of teaching. Rows are important in spiritual growth. But we have lots of ways that we can deliver this. There's, there is value in what happens in this moment. I went to school for a long time so that I would understand languages and context and theology and all of those sorts of things. And I think I have something to offer you. And I've walked with the Lord a really, really long time. But at the end of the day, it's still information. And in order for transformation to happen, you have to be in a connected sort of thing where you look people in the eyes and where you connect with them. See, I, I think teaching the Bible needs to be more like coaching and less like a lecture. And when, you, when someone coaches you, they, they watch you do something and they say, let me help you, let me fix that stance, let me show you how to throw that ball a little bit better, let me, let me show you how to play your instrument a, a, a little bit better. You can read all the books in the world about how to do it, but until somebody personalizes it, it it's just not nearly a, a, as powerful. In fact, I believe that in a circle, you'll learn how to put into action what you learned about in the row. Does that make sense? In a circle, you learn how to put into action what you learned about in, in the row. And so well, I, I think about this. Yeah, the, the, I, any of you like the like flight simulators for like, you know, programs and stuff? I, I do. I, I love that. I'm going to eventually get the new Microsoft one that, that's really cool. You know, but ima imagine for a moment someone wants to take you up in an airplane and you're like, woohoo, okay, I'd like to go for a ride in an airplane. And they say, hey, I just want to let you know I, I'm really, really qualified. I have read every single book about flying an airplane that there is. Thank you very much. Uh, th no, there's not a single one I haven't, I haven't read. And, um, and, and I, have, uh, I have spent hours and hours and hours on Microsoft Flight Simulator, uh, and I, I've got that all figured out. Now, I haven't ever actually had anyone go up with, with a teacher. This is my first time to go up alone. Uh, but, you know, would you like to come fly with me? Well, most of you are going to go, nope, nope, you're not going to do that. Why? Because you understand the importance of coaching, right? That somebody sits there and helps you with the process and, 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 and all of that. Or, or a surgeon. I mean, what if your surgeon came to you and said, you need this surgery, and, and I've, I've never done surgery before, but I've read every book there is about it, and I know everything there is to know about this surgery. Don't worry. When we got you on the table and I'm opening you, your guts are out there, you'll be perfectly fine. No. The guy that does surgery in me, I want to be the guy that taught everyone else how to do surgery. Amen? 
that, that's a, why? Because coaching matters. It's not just inf information. And so um, the, and, and the, the greatest example of this of all, remember the first time your child drove behind the wheel? Oh, yeah. And you were sitting on the other side going, oh, you know. I was real brave. With my first child, we did it in a cemetery. I figured if somebody died, we're already there, you know. So it's good, good enough. Here, here's a picture of what I think discipleship looks like. It's just those who are a little further along, kind of teaching those who are maybe beginning to beginning or are not quite as far along how to walk with the Lord. Just, just come along in the, in, the, in the process. Just the older ones, there's, there's not I'm better than you, there's just let, let me help you. I just love the picture of that little girl with that, that thing on her head there, you know. Um, that's what, what it's like. In circles, you learn how to put into action what you learned about in a row. And so I, I think the rows are important. And, and online, I'm, I'm so glad that you're listening to us. But, but the circle is where we really make, make headway in that. And so I, I'd say it like this. Circles are the rich soil that spiritual life grows in. How many of you have grown a garden before? Any of you? Oh, yep, some of you. Yeah, I'm not real good at it. Like I said, my wife, Jody. Uh, is good at that. But, but my dream is that the generations community could be the rich soil of spiritual life. That this could be a place where people will come to know Jesus Christ as Savior. But it isn't just done with that, but they will go on and they will grow into spiritual maturity so that they too can bring others into life and they can help others grow. And that's the reason we are putting such a push on for circles over rows. In this time when it's hard to meet in rows, we, we can only put so many people in here, and as people start to come back, eventually we're going to have a little bit of a problem. But, but circles, you can do those all over the place. Every one of you can have a circle in your home. How many of you have a way of putting some chairs in a circle in your house? Don't tell me like you don't. You all do. I've been in enough of your homes to know, right? And so we're, we're pushing this circle church or house church uh, because we want this rich soil. So let me give you a description of what I think the rich soil looks like. Um, the four components of spiritually uh, rich uh, soil. Um, and, and I've looked this up for real soil. And there's all kinds of things. I think of dirt as dirt. But it turns out there's a bunch of stuff in dirt that has to be there for plants to grow really well. And the same is true with spiritual. And this isn't new to me. I got this from a, a, a pastor uh, in a conference I listened to. But, but the first ingredient in rich soil is it has to be a place where you can know and be known. Where you can know, can know other people. And they can know you, be known. And by this, I don't mean just know their name. I mean you know something about them. You, you know what's going on in their life. You're, you're praying for their kids. You, you know that there's a situation with their job, and you're, you're kind of praying for that. And, and maybe, maybe you go over to their house and help them with something. They're putting up a new fence, or they're digging something, or they're doing something. And you, that, that know and be known, where they really know you, and, and you really know them, where there's a level of authenticity and transparency. I love the transparency amongst the disciples. Jesus was forever looking into their lives and saying, yeah, you can't get away from me. I know what's going on in you. It's a place where you can know and where it's safe to know and, and, and be known. And then the second is it needs to be a place where you know you love and can be loved. And I put this one second for a reason. <clears throat> because the truth of the matter is you can't be in a relationship of loving someone and being loved until you're in a relationship where you can know and be known. Because love requires authenticity. Love requires transparency. 
In fact, at the heart of love is knowing someone's faults and loving them anyway. Amen? Don't look at your spouse when you say that, okay? <coughs> so a place to love and to be loved. And, and then number three is a place to celebrate and be celebrated. We all need people in our lives that celebrate us, that encourage us, that are excited when we do well. And not just because they have to be, but because they are genuinely excited for us. And we all need people in our lives where we're excited for them. When their kid does well, you're like, woo! You, you go to their graduations, you, you invest in one another. That, that's what happens in a circle. Honestly, our church is way too large for every one of us to do that for everybody else. It just can't happen. <coughs> we'll see what happens when I preach three services next week. So <clears throat> be praying for me in my throat, okay? So celebrate and, and be celebrated. Don't you want to be a part of a circle where you're known and, and you can be known and where you love and be loved and where you celebrate and be celebrated? That, that's the kind of group I want to be a part of. And I'll, I'll be honest with you, I've been blessed to be in groups like that a number of times. And then the last one is serve and be served. And we're encouraging our circles to go out and serve in some sort of way. Uh, be beyond yourself. And there's a powerful bond that's built together when circles serve together. So, now let me just put a real fine point on it. Rows are not enough. Get into a circle or house church. Rows are not enough. Uh, rows are important, but rows are not enough. Get into a circle. So here's the whole point of this whole series. You need to be in a row, and you need to be in a circle. And honestly, if you have to choose the two, the circle's more important than the row. And that's coming from a preacher, so you know it's got to be honest, because this is not in my best interest. Okay? I, I just, I want to encourage you, if you're not in a circle, listen to me, listen to me. If you're not in a circle, get in a circle. Get a group of people who are your friends together and say, let's start doing a Bible study. Or, or let's watch the service together on Sunday. Those of you that are watching online, it's a great time. And even in phase two, we can be together with six people, yourself plus five others. Get two other couples and sit down and watch the service. Have breakfast before or brunch afterwards or lunch afterwards. If you do the 11 o'clock service, whatever. Break bread together. But get, it, get in a circle where you support and encourage and challenge one another and you grow uh, spiritually. It is good for your soul. In fact, let me say, I think it's essential for your spiritual life that you have a circle of some sort. So, real quickly, how to start a circle. Uh, let's just kind of do quick ways to do this. Number one, Sunday morning worship. We kind of talked about that. Just get together with a group of friends and, and watch a service together. And you can just talk about it if you want. You can say, boy, pastor's jokes are really bad this week or whatever. I don't care. Get a spiritual conversation uh, talking and going in that and break bread together. You can do a weekday worship. We're going to try and have the sermon available on Mondays uh, by Monday afternoon uh, so that you can just come back and watch a service. The great thing about modern technology is it doesn't have to happen on Sunday. And you can watch the whole service always. This is, this is posted on Facebook and on YouTube uh, at the end of each, each service. Uh, you can do a weekday Bible study. Uh, just get a group of friends together. Uh, pick out passage. If you don't know, I would suggest you work through John. It's a great one to work through. And there are four simple questions. You don't have to be a theologian. Here's how you do it. You look at a passage of Scripture. You say, what does this tell us about God? Okay, it's Scripture. It should tell you something about God. What does this tell us about humanity? Okay, he's usually talking about us in some sort of way. That's just the way God is. What am I doing well in this passage? What do I need to work on? And if you answer those four questions, you've done a Bible study. 
which is really cool because I went to seminary and spent a lot of money to learn all that kind of stuff. So I just want to encourage you uh, at that point. And then you can also do uh, alternate week ministry where maybe once, one week you meet together as a group and, and do uh, a Bible study or the sermon and maybe the next week you go out and you go serve in some place. And I know that's hard with COVID, but we really want to encourage service beyond our walls. All, all believers, we talked about this a few Sundays ago, should have a ministry of some sort. Amen? You're not volunteers, you are ministers uh, in the work of the kingdom. Uh, and then recreational events. One of the great ways uh, to get into a circle is to go fishing with some people. I mean, some of the most enriching things for me was when my dad would take me with his fishing buddies from our church, and they would go fishing, and I would listen to these men talk about things spiritual and their struggles and what was going on. That was life-giving for me. We can do that uh, as well. And so if you, if you uh, are going to start one, we'd ask that you'd let us know. Get your friends together because we want to help you. We're not looking to control it, but we would like to help you if you have questions and give you some uh, resources. Uh, also, if you, are, if you would like to get into a circle but you don't know how to get into a circle, you can contact us, office at generations.org. It's real simple. Or Facebook, Generation 784. Our, our uh, verse over here, we will tell the next generation, Psalm 78, 4. Generation 784, or you can call us, 360-659-4629. And now, I want to do one more corner here, just a, a little bit, and talk about the baptize. Y'all going to get in a circle? Let me try that. Oh, that's not encouraging. This could be a very long sermon. <laughs> okay, I won't make you say that, because I don't want you to say something you won't do. But I really do want to encourage you. So let's talk about this next section. Baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son <clears throat> and the Holy Spirit. Uh, this is the, the spiritual formula. Christ said in uh, Mark 16, whoever believes and is baptized will be saved. And so baptism is super, super important uh, to your spiritual life. Uh, so let me kind of uh, give you uh, some things about baptism and why it's important before we prepare to baptize. Baptism is, it's a rite of initiation, which means this is the, the beginning place. If you've ever joined an organization and there's a little ceremony, that's what baptism is. It's, it's when you come into the body of Christ. I don't mean this local church, local church membership is a different thing, but into the larger body of Christ. Uh, this is the, the beginning place. So when someone uh, gets saved, the next thing that should happen fairly shortly thereafter is that they should... Um, they should be baptized. Number two, it's a means of grace. This means you encounter God, that God works in your life in that way. And I've seen this happen over and over again, where people will tell me after we've been baptized, Pastor, I did that mostly because you just said we should do that. And I said, okay, I'll, I'll do that. But something happened to me in the water. I just, there was an encounter with God. Yep, that's exactly right. Baptism is a means of grace. God will do something in your heart when you're faithful to his, his direction. It's an outward sign of an inner grace. That is to say, God has done something in your own life, and now you bring it forth in a ritual of, of baptism so that the world can see. And related to that, it's a public proclamation so that the whole world will know. We encourage people to invite their friends uh, to come and be a part when, when they're baptized. And then <clears throat> it's a symbol of new creation. That is to say, here's the really good news. When you encounter God and you let him into your heart, you are made a new creation. New thing, not the old thing kind of fixed up and wired together and duct taped, but a new creation. And the symbol is there that, that when we baptize you and, and we ask you, you know, do you believe in Christ and we follow him all the days of your life? Then you go down, you go down like you're buried, like you're underwater. And for ancient people to be underwater was the ultimate way of, of burial. And then... When you come up, it's like resurrection. And so when, when the people come up after this, I expect you to holy party. 
Wow, you've got to work. You've got a couple of minutes to work on that, okay? I, I'm telling you, I, I, I told the other last service, I, I um, was at a church where we had a connection to Brazil, and we did stuff with them, and they had this big service where they're going to baptize 50 people, and they asked me if I would help with the baptisms, right? I couldn't speak Portuguese, but I knew when they said it was time to baptize. And that first one, we went down, we were doing three at a time, went down, and we came up, and that church exploded. They had brought trumpets and drums and all kinds of stuff and big banners with people's names on them. And they just like holy partied. It took a long time for you to get to the next group because of all that. I'm telling you, if we don't get enough holler and shout next time around, I may bring trumpets and drums and things for you guys and expect you to... No, I wouldn't do that. But ultimately, here's what we say. Baptism is holy party. Say holy party. Nobody has more reason to celebrate than followers of Jesus Christ. Amen? Because we celebrate the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. And we, uh, we are scheduled here in just a minute to do a baptism. <clears throat> we had four, but it was kind of a technical difficulty, so we have two this morning. Uh, so we're not going to show the, uh, the video that we did, because uh, the adults had, had uh, videos. And we'll save that uh, for the next time when, when we can kind of get that to work out. Uh, but I, I, I do want to just kind of give you some scripture here that I think is really important from Romans. Listen to this. Do you not know <clears throat> that all of us who were baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death when they go down? We were buried therefore with him by baptism into death in order that just as Christ raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, we too might walk in newness of life. Yeah, Got to keep working on that, okay? For if we have been buried with him in death like his, we shall certainly be united with him in resurrection like his. We are going to be together forever. There are people on the other side. I'm going to see them someday because we have died to this life and are raised to new life in Christ. Amen? You ready to worship with baptism?
Okay, now she says she wants to go all the way down to the water. Does she want to get in the water? Yeah, cool. I need you after the first kiss to come out the back. No? Neither one of those? Should go under? Should go under? Okay. Okay, so, you know Jesus Christ is your Savior? No. <laughs> you know I had this conversation with you guys. You'll follow me all follow all your life, right? One of the important things about baptism is that you remember your baptism. Remember that you were baptized, that you belong to Christ. Don't ever let the devil talk you out of that, okay? It's a lie. It's a lie. It's a part of the reason we do baptism, because once I dunk you, you don't ever forget that, you know? So, um, God loves you. I love you. Go and love each other.